Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody and welcome to the first episode of Weird Algorithm. I'm your host Matt and I am Matthew and we are two weird alcoholics who absolutely love Weird Al and everything about him. So we decided after doing a bunch of different podcasts together that it was time that we sat down in front of microphones went through everything Weird Al has ever put out and put together the definitive rankings of his best songs. Are you ready for this? This is quite the undertaking. This is great. I'm glad that you said that because as I was getting ready to start this, I thought, did we agree on a name for this podcast? <laughs> yes. And I honestly couldn't remember if we had talked about it or not. And then you just you you're, had your intro ready to go. You're the professional. I am somewhat new at this, but I am going to learn from example and... We're going to dive right in. I'm very excited. We're going to be fine. Now, for this first episode, we're going to talk about a couple Weird Al songs that I don't think we're actually going to put into the rankings. But right. before we get into that, I want to talk about our discovery of Weird Al, uh, because I'm pretty sure you and I are about the exact same age. I think we have very similar stories and experiences so i am curious what was your first exposure to weird al well i remember i was given bad hair day as a great job gift from graduating the fourth grade nice (laughs) i don't know why i knew it though that's one of those interesting things about al like somebody must have shown me him and i don't remember who that was because i don't know where i would have discovered him or heard him in my life you know before like wanting that because i asked for that i was excited about it But I remember that was a gift, and man, this could be a long side story, but I'm going to make it as brief as I can. My family growing up had a tradition. Every year, we drove from New York, Long Island, where I grew up, to Hershey, Pennsylvania. Which is like right by me. So There you go. And it was an extended, (laughs) all of my cousins, aunts, and uncles, it was this massive caravan of cars that went to Hershey Park every summer. And on the way there, we stopped in Lancaster, which is Amish country. And my poor parents, I mu- we must have listened to Amish Paradise on repeat for the full three and a half hour drive. It was all I could. I mean, I would get through more of the CD, but then I just kept going back to the front because I wanted to hear that because I just thought it was so funny. So Amish Paradise was also my introduction to Al. Yeah. I- I've talked about this on-, on One Hit Thunder before, but I was really late to modern music. Like for, I would say about the first 10 years of my life, if my parents weren't listening to it in their car, I wasn't aware that it was music and it really wasn't until like 1994 or even maybe 95 
when my cousin played me Green Day Dookie that I was like, wait, wait, mm. there's other music. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's there's more <laughs> out there. So, like, I went head first. I was all in on MTV. I think you guys would have gotten it up in Long Island, but the box, did you have the box? We did, but it was not something... I guess I didn't have access to that channel in my house. I don't even remember. I remembered seeing that at friends' houses, but I was not able to watch it at home for whatever cable programming reason, but it did exist, yeah. So I remember I was, at that point, I'd gotten really into grunge music. I'd gotten into that whole scene, but I also really liked the occasional rap song, and Gangster's Mm -hmm. Paradise was like my shit. I loved that (laughs) song when I heard it. So I was watching The Box, and I heard what I thought was Gangster's Paradise come on. So I mm-hmm. ran in to make sure that I caught, you know, one of my favorite videos. And I was like, what is this? And I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And I was trying to explain it to my parents. And my parents were like, oh yeah, that's Weird Al Yankovic. Like they were like so well aware of who he was. And I was like, <laughs> how has no one told me about this? And the first girl, I wouldn't even say we were boyfriend and girlfriend because, you know, you're in fourth grade. It was just like, oh, sure. it's a girl yeah. that you're friends with, so you're dating. Her brother had bad hair day, and she made me a cassette of it. And wow. I listened to that cassette repeatedly, and then my cousin gave me all of his albums Yeah, at Al-Bums. Um, and <laughs> I ran to... I, I At this exact same time, it was the perfect time in my life, I was... 12 years old, just discovering music during what I would still argue is the greatest decade of music, and a Sam Goody's used CD store opened directly behind my house. <laughs> like, two-minute walk to get to the Sam Goody's store. Yeah. And I remember I walked in there, and they had a VHS tape of every Weird Al music video, and it was like, I needed that tape. Like, <laughs> I, I remember that tape. I didn't... I don't know if... I don't think I owned that, but I had a a friend who did in a VHS of all of the, the music videos and stuff. And I, I, I remember having a similar sense of, you know, it's so funny going back to this time. Not only was I young, but the internet was, I existed, but it was not a, a resource like it is now. No, not at all. And trying to track down his music. I went to, after Bad Hair Day, and I became obsessed, I went to a Sam Goody as well and found one of those weird compilation releases that came out. Oh, like and the it was Food Album or one of those th- things? The Food Album and the TV Album, yes. which I found out later Al apparently really hated the fact that those came out because they were <laughs> that was Scotty Brothers just kind of like trying to make as much money off of his catalog as they possibly could. But that was, that was the next step for me. Um, I wasn't such an album purist back then as I am today. <laughs> I am. I, for whatever reason, when I discovered Green Day Dookie, I became an album purist for the next 20 plus years of my I life. I mean, I am now, but it, <laughs> it took me a while. At that point, I was not, I, I just was like, whatever I could get my hands on, it didn't occur to me like what it was that I had. It just had his name on it. I was like, yes, that's, that's for me. <laughs> I, uh, I definitely had the food album on cassette. I know that for a fact. I had that cassette. The other big thing that I think about at this time when I discovered Weird Al was beyond the fact that like everyone in my family knew that this was a thing and no one had told me was when I got really into Weird Al, my grandfather, who I've always who I was always close with, was a musician. He loved Dixieland music and he loved Mel Brooks and Marx Brothers Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So he seeing that I had taken an interest into comedy music took it upon himself to make me a cassette of 
music that he thinks was a huge inspiration on Weird Al's music. And I still have this tape. And it's just a combination of Benny Bell, Spike Jones and the City Slickers, yeah, course, and Stan yeah. Freeberg. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I can't listen to that stuff and A, not think about my grandfather, but also yeah. B, not hear a, such a clear influence on Weird it's crazy. Al. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And I, I didn't have that. It's funny. Like, I, I came from a pretty unmusical family. Like, my parents, we listened to the radio in the car, but my parents were not people with, like, a record collection or... Any like, and I'm also the oldest kid of my yeah. siblings, so I had a couple of older cousins, but not people I was particularly close with. So it was very like the discovery process for me was very solitary, and I was kind of figuring this stuff out on my own. I didn't hear Spike Jones or any of those like you know early references you were talking about, like influences on him, Alan Sherman. That's a big one too. Yeah, that was that was way later for me. I went back and I heard that stuff, and I was like, wow, that's so interesting. Because to me, especially as a kid and then growing up into my teens, uh, it took me a while before I, in my mind, Weird Al was just like, where did this guy come from? Like He just stood alone in the world as this bizarre figure. And I did do some diving of my own before that into like Dr. Demento's releases and some of his compilations of the Bizarro stuff that he put out. But even in that world, Al was different. Like so, so much of it was so counterculture and strange and I grew to really love that and I still like... I credit it to Al. I'm such a huge fan of outsider music and uh, just the most oddball things you can find. But yeah, it was it was quite a discovery for me later on to to track down those like early references of his. When we get into next week's episode, which is you know kind of more of the official kickoff of of the podcast, yeah. I mean, I'll throw way more reasons why, but especially that early Al, that 70s into the 80s, early 80s Al, it's so punk rock. It's yeah, so, for sure it, it is. It's so like, like you said, counterculture, but it's also like just anti-everything. I know, it's it's amazing. And honestly, even in these songs that we're going to do, which I was really happy that you wanted to start with these because I had not heard these before. Same. Apparently, I guess I had heard Take Me Home in passing once, but I vaguely, vaguely remembered it, but it didn't, register really it, it is it's it's anti-everything it's such a funny thing that he he does where it's just like well we should get into it song by song but yeah. I, I was fascinated to hear the um that early voice of his let's dive into the so the three songs we're looking at are belvedere cruising take me down and school cafeteria oh take me down i think i said take me home country it's, roads that's a whole other thing it's all the same thing <laughs> so the reason why we picked these three specific songs is when i was doing research on the weird owl wiki these were three songs that were called out as like huge hits on dr demento that really never made their way onto an official owl release yeah that may have changed with like that crazy like 20 vinyl release that came out a year or two ago the squeeze box so take me down. I'm going to I'm going to try really hard to yeah. get that right from now on. <laughs> take me down, I believe made it onto the medium rarities yes. compilation that's in Squeezebox, but the other two I don't think did. Yeah, and and I I listened to them a couple times. So so we'll start with Belvedere Cruising, which yeah. I'm pretty sure is his legitimately his very first song. I think I read that this was from 1976. That sounds right, yeah. When this was recorded, that this was 16-year-old Al. This was like the song that he 
sent to Demento on a little cassette tape. It's an interesting, it is just him and his accordion, which is so interesting to me. It's very much like what he wound up doing with Another One Rides the Bus. It sounds very similar to that, but it is truly just him by himself. And also just an interesting, because I think we've said it yet, Those these three tracks are all originals. There's no parody here. This is just straight original songs of his. And yeah, it's super, super interesting. His voice in Belvedere is, you can tell he's young, but he still really has his, you can can also tell it's him. Yeah, you wouldn't Um, be like, that's weird out. Like it sounds, we talk about this a lot, um, in art in general, like mm-hmm. when you see someone who's so fully fleshed out as a character or as a musician or whatever, right out the gate. But like, yeah. this is a 16 year old weird owl who is creating the same kind of sound and attitude that he'd be doing almost 50 years later. Like It's amazing to hear because it, it really is like, I mean, he evolved a lot. And I, I also in looking up, Looking this up, I saw that he played a very small clip uh, snippet of this song as part of an Al uh, fan event. Yeah. I guess people asked for it, and he did a very small bit of it. And he did it, you could tell, like, somewhat begrudgingly. Like, he played, like, the hook of it and then was like, I've gotten a lot better, I promise. <laughs> but it's not a bad song for a first song. No. For a first song, it is better than anything I wrote at 16. That is a oh, yeah. fact. Yeah. I don't know about you. I remember, so I was, when I was a kid, on, like... Saturday mornings, this was my my Saturday morning routine, was that I would get a little bit of an allowance from my mom, let's say like $10 for the week. Mm-hmm. And first thing Saturday morning was like plopping in front of the TV, watching like the Fox Saturday morning stuff, kept getting caught up on what was happening with Spider-Man or X-Men or whatever. Yeah. And then there was a corner deli right next to the CD store, and I would walk up there, and I would buy... A bag of 3D Doritos, a, a Pepsi Big Slam, like when they were just selling a liter of soda to a child. Of course, yeah. And, what could go wrong? And then I would go to the magazine rack and I would buy whatever the newest comic books were or I would buy the mm-hmm. newest Mad or Cracked magazine. Sure. And then my neighbor would buy different magazines and we would sit on the front porch and we'd be eating our snacks, drinking our soda, and we'd be like reading comics and trading them with each other. And I remember Mad Magazine one year came with like a CD inside the magazine. Like it was like some anniversary thing. And it's like, hey, here's like a hundred classic Mad songs. And mm-hmm. this sounds like something I would have heard on that CD. Like it it has that like 70s yeah. National Lampoon to like 50s Mad Magazine chaos in this song to me. Totally, totally. It also has a funny, and this is something I think we're going to probably hit a lot, is it's interesting to me, the stuff that's older and the like comedic frames of reference. Like This is just the nature of comedy, where like, some yeah. things land and some things just don't. I'm not a car person, so I had to look this up. I didn't know what a Belvedere was immediately. Yeah. Uh, and I looked it up and I read the lyrics along. And the funny thing now is, I get, obviously, the whole point of the song is that this is supposed to be like a dorky thing yeah. to be out cruising the neighborhood in but now i look at a photo of a belgium i'm like that looks pretty badass like, <laughs> <laughs> i think in hindsight now like now if i look at that car if i saw someone riding down the street with that i'd be like wow that's pretty awesome it's it is funny how like especially i'm i'm sure you and i again fall into the same category of like not really car people whatever's gonna get me yeah, from yeah, a to yeah, B, yeah. Like, exactly let's do it. but uh, yeah when you see like the old weird jacked up cars you're like that looks pretty dope. Like I know, I know. <laughs> like, like I still would want to drive like 
you know, like what was it? Like Gonzo had like a Studebaker that he was driving in uh, the Muppet movie. And I'm like, that's I'd be exactly fine right. with that. Yeah, that sounds that looks pretty good to me. So I, I can appreciate what he's going for in in the uh, the lyric of this song. But now in hindsight, like he, reading the lyrics and then looking at the picture of the car, I was like. I guess that's a dorky thing to drive. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I, I guess like the closest <laughs> thing that I could even think of. And again, I'm about to name something that like if you were selling one for a reasonable price, I would absolutely buy. But like like Vespa cruising, like the right, concept of right, like trying right, to right, pick right. up girls while like cruising around on a Vespa. I guess that's fair. That's that's the more modern version of this track. <laughs> if he were to re-record it nowadays, which seems very unlikely. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So the next song we'll talk about, Take Me Down, which I will play my hand right now. Easily my favorite of the three songs. Someday I'm gonna pack up And then I'm going back up To that place where sentimental feelings arouse I think that this is a great song. Well, it's the only one that actually feels like an almost produced track. Like it has other musicians on it. Like this is like an actual, like it's not just Al alone doing this thing and it has yeah it, it's easy to imagine a scenario where that song made it on the first record For it sure. sounds like it could have and it's got like i think that the lyric where time shifts into neutral and idols away <laughs> is a really good lyric it is it really is there's actually really good lines in that song and again an interesting one because it's just that funny thing with like it's funny but it's not that funny it's and this is where you get back to the punk rock thing like this is a punk rock like my hometown kind of sucks song and I want to get out of here. Like that's a young punk rock song to write. I mean, how many people have written that type of a song? And this is like Al's version of it. It's so interesting. Yeah. From some album called the slow grown album, uh, which was released in 1978. So this is an 18 year old weird Al. Mm -hmm. And it's wild to me to think about that. Like you've got this 18 year old kid who's been recording accordion songs in his bedroom and sending them to Dr. Demento, but it's yeah. left enough of a mark that other musicians have hit him up to be like, hey, do you want to do a song on this album that we're doing? You exactly. I mean? Like this week I've been re-watching Shit's Creek in the background while I've been editing and like yeah. listening to this song. I'm like, this could be on like the Shit's Creek soundtrack. Like it feels it like it's describing could. the town of Shit's Creek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's amazing. And it's got that really like I, I I really like this one a lot, and it's that great, like, it's making fun of the town, but also clearly in a way that he, it's still dear to him, you know, he cares about it, and it's from a loving place, but he's making fun of, like, you know, all of the unimpressive things that they have to yeah. share with the world, but it's good, and again, it, it it's easily could have been on the first record, and if anything, actually, it's a slightly different vibe. The first record has a really interesting sort of like quality to it across the board. All of the songs are kind of like almost like darker yeah. in a way compared to where, where he went later. And this, I could see this on like a later eighties record. Well, like, that's the other interesting yeah. thing, right? This could have popped up even later. Still, this almost feels more advanced <laughs> than where he was at that point. Like 100%. this is a step ahead. Yeah. It's more eclectic than a lot of the earlier stuff of his sounded. It reminds me in tone a little bit like, 
so so the thing that I've learned to love about Al, especially his originals, and that's going to be a big thing we break down throughout this whole podcast, is just how phenomenal some of his original songs yeah. are. But he writes some truly beautiful songs that take these really dark, sinister twists midway. Yes. But like this song kind of gave me the same vibes, um, almost a little bit of like a good old days off of like even worse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like totally. I could see this being the closing track on like a late 80s, early 90s Al release and making sense you're absolutely right and it's funny because i'm thinking now of like al is usually really good he has great album closers so i don't know if i would replace any of them with this but it is easy to envision this being an album closer that would have been super satisfying yes um it's a really really great like conclusive track yeah no i i i was really impressed like i think i had heard a snippet because a friend of mine had has medium rarities and he played it for me once and I must have heard it, but it didn't really resonate with me until I took a close listen for this. And yeah, this is this is really really good. So for those of you who aren't familiar with with Matt, Matt is the the bassist of the band Weedus. But he for during the pandemic would do these like crazy all day long. <laughs> I'm going to cover every single song by an artist. Yeah. And you did a weird owl run. Did you take in the medium rarities at all for that, or not really? I took a look, and I wound up taking from it. To be honest, I don't even remember where I landed. I think that the re- the total for me was 185 <laughs> Weird Al songs, and I think that I grabbed a couple more just because I'm my OCD really wanted to land on a nice even number, and so I went to Medium Rarities and I did Spy Hard, nice, and I did probably like Headline News. I'm gonna get. Headline News yeah. came from that, yeah, exactly, which was a, a big one from my childhood. That might have been it. I, I took a look through and I remembered like looking at. I guess, honestly, I didn't take a very close look at this song. I remember looking at Pac-Man and considering that, and I wound up not doing it. And I I really just did album tracks of his and then a couple fillers. I guess I picked the filler ones that I knew already. Yeah. Spy Hard, Headline News. Because those those were singles, and they will definitely get covered by us. I'm going to take a quick look. I want to see what made it onto that Medium Rarities Yeah, there were some alternate takes and stuff. I know that there was... um, I, I did use, because I love it so much, the extra gory version of Night Santa Went Crazy. <laughs> I wound up playing along to that instead of the album version, because that's so satisfying. So it was, this is so funny, I didn't realize this. Okay, so Take Me Down is actually the opening to the Medium Rarities release. Uh, the note says that it's a promotional song for San Luis, <laughs> California, which is hysterical. <laughs> Uh, but then, yeah, you're getting just a different version of My Bologna. You're getting a different version of Yoda. You're getting the Dr. Demento jingle. Pac-Man, yeah. like you said, a parody of Taxman. The instrumental for Dare to be Stupid. So it's a lot of it is, okay, I, I don't feel as bad that I didn't really look at this too much. <laughs> yeah, and it's short stuff. Like it's the you know the 30 Rock theme, the uh, Comedy Bang Bang theme. It was like little things like that yeah. that he did, which had not been released like officially before. So that that is super cool to have. But it's not really much for us to have to cover on on the sake of this podcast. Because yeah, these Correct, are a lot of yeah. the only ones that aren't like you said, it's it's a lot of just other versions of songs or 30 seconds. I forgot I just read this and had to chuckle because I completely forgot about this from the Weird Al show. But it does have the 40 second Firestarter parody, lousy haircut. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> Which is really, really good. Yeah, I know. Little things like that. Like, that's what's cool about that as a compilation. Like, it does really cover a lot of, like, little things that you would have forgotten about if you followed him. Because he does, like, he's just, I mean, he's so prolific and he just would, you know, do these, the, the quick, small things that he did are everywhere and you just are so easy to forget. 
I also can't help but think that having a record that has that many 30 second songs must be an absolute nightmare if you're trying to just listen to one specific song. Yeah, 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 exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the last song. And, and weirdly, even though it's the closest to where his career takes off, probably my least favorite of these three songs, School Cafeteria. <laughs> It was a B-side off of the My Bologna single that was released in 1979. Uh, this was recorded in his school bathroom, similarly to My Bologna. And you can tell, boy, is it like a reverby bathroom. It sounds like it's in a bathroom. Yep. And I, I the only <laughs> other thing I wrote down is that it is noteworthy because it is the, I would say, the beginning of the one-two punch of food theme songs Indeed. between My Bologna right into a song about the school cafeteria. I think I just, you know, this could be a chicken or the egg type situation that maybe I've just been inundated with it at this point. Mm-hmm. Jokes about how bad school cafeteria food is just don't hit for me anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I feel like if I was a kid and I heard this, I would have been, you know, totally on board for it. It would not have registered to me, but it is, or, or it wouldn't have felt like it was lesser in any way, but it is weird to me because this is also of the three, this feels like it's the lowest audio quality yeah like and it is recorded in a bathroom one. yeah <laughs> and it's the newest one and it got released on a seven inch like yeah. it's the b-side to a single so this was mass produced and pressed on a vital plant before medium rarities did you know take me down later that's very surprising to me because it is really lo-fi yeah more so than any of the other stuff from that time period that i have heard yeah yeah it's, it's weird I mean, I the fact that Al is like kind of ashamed of Belvedere cruising. I I would take Belvedere cruising a million times over school Agreed cafeteria. Completely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. this, this does so again. It's just Al alone musically. It again does remind me of a lot of the first album stuff. It has this interesting, like it's kind of dark. Like I said, a lot of that early stuff. It's dark and it's sort of like minor key blues yeah. based musically almost, which is a thing that he did a lot back then, which I find from a musical perspective, like really fascinating when I was, as you talked about, like when I was learning how to play all of these songs on the bass, the first album initially really threw me because the musical references, it felt like he was picking from on the originals just did not compute for me at all. Like this (laughs) dark minor key blues rock stuff. Like, Again, we'll get into all of those songs. I'm, but I'm very excited is, for us to talk. Next week's episode, yeah. we kick off that first album, and I, I've got some opinions of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so oh, I'm yeah. excited for that. So let's, real quick, now that we've talked about these, um, also, like I said, my rankings for this, even though they're not going to go into our official rankings, was definitely Take Me Down, Belvedere Cruising, and then School Cafeteria. I'm not sure if yours uh, looks about the same. Or... No, I think, I think I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I... Take Me Down is the winner, hands down. Like, that's a really interesting... If you are a fan, which, if you're listening to this, I assume you are. If you're a fan and you have not heard that, that's worth a listen as his first, like, multi-instrumentalist, like a band recording of his. That's a really interesting thing to hear. And it's good. It's legitimately good. It's a legitimately good song. And I'll play clips of these. You've heard clips in between each song, so you kind of have a rough idea of what we're talking about. Yeah. But uh, real quick before we sign off, so the show is going to be dropping every Friday. Uh, we we released this on April Fool's Day. It's a Friday. Just felt hey. appropriate. 
Gotcha. Totally, totally makes sense to me that a Weird Al podcast <laughs> would launch on April Fool's Day, but it is yeah. no joke. <laughs> we are yes, real podcast. No, this is, not, this is not a joke podcast. <laughs> I mean, I, a little bit it is, I guess, but we will continue doing it. Um, so from this point on, what we're going to do is every single week, we are going to work through Weird Al's discography, album by album, track by track, uh, and we're mm-hmm. going to be building lists and... I'm going to have my own list. Matthew's going to have his own list. And it's going to be based on the following five categories. Best parodies, hmm. best originals, best polkas. So that's going to be a much shorter list. <laughs> best albums, also a little bit of a shorter list. And best music videos, which will mm. be short for a while. And then towards the end of his career is going to get crazy. Holy cow. <laughs> did he do a lot of videos towards the end? Yeah. <laughs> so, towards the end. I should say he's still doing this. I'm assuming we will probably... Still get another video or two out of Al. I I am to willing seen. to bet. So we've got, I think he has fourteen or fifteen official releases. Mm-hmm. I I think a sixteenth release comes out, maybe even a seventeenth before we're done this podcast. Ooh, God! I hope you're right. That would make <laughs> like, me so happy. I would love that so much. It's been such a long time, and he had talked about how he thought like full length albums might not be a thing for him anymore. I hope I hope he goes back to it because yeah. I mean, I guess, and we're gonna we are gonna tackle as we mentioned, Spy Hard headline news. Like we are mm-hmm. going to do episodes where it's like, okay, at this point in his career, he put out this one like very random single. Like we'll yeah. we'll fit it in there. We'll debate if it goes into any rankings or not but mm-hmm. we're gonna try to cover the whole plethora we're gonna try to get the whole yeah. the whole story uh so stay tuned subscribe tell your friends about it all of that good jazz uh matthew i am so excited to go on this journey with you this is gonna be fun it's gonna get weird oh i was gonna say normal <laughs> too easy sorry <laughs> each week on the one hit thunder podcast we welcome a special guest to come take a deep dive into a one hit wonder artist with us And together, we decide if that artist brought the one-hit thunder or was nothing more than a one-hit blunder. You can find One Hit Thunder anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So hit that subscribe button and join in on the fun each week. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 